and welcome to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 30th of March, and joining me in the studio today is Jen and Orla. Hey Katie. Hello. Uh, so what have you guys got then? I'm going to be talking about some ugly animals, a bit of football and some cinema. I've got whole literary festival, three lectures and some Irish theatre. I've got a bit more Oxford Literary Festival art and the population of fish. We've got a few interviews coming up in this podcast, so do stay tuned if you're interested in hearing from the crime writer David Mark, Robert Bullard, chairman of Writers in Oxford, uh, both talking on the Oxford Literary Festival, or Hal Chambers talking about Leaper, a fishtale at Cornerstone in Dicot. But before we get started, it's worth mentioning that we've got a new competition. You could win a pair of festival passes to Folk Weekend Oxford, which is happening on the 15th to the 17th of April. Now, all you have to do is identify the instruments that we've chosen. So, in theory, very easy, but it depends how much of a musical expert you are. I'm guessing we haven't picked a piano. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are pretty hard. At least I don't know my folk instruments too well, but learning a bit. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Daily Info are proud sponsors of Folk Weekend Oxford as well. So do make sure you buy your tickets and go along. It should be a great weekend. To start off, Jen, you've got our first interview. I have indeed. Uh, the Oxford Literary Festival is starting on the 2nd of April. That's this weekend. And last week I caught up with David Mark, crime writer, who is going to be speaking on the 6th of April. And I asked him, how hard is it to think like a criminal? <laughs> uh, no, it's remarkably easy. Um, I, I'm a great believer that uh, there is a murderer in everyone if you can just, if sufficient motivation can be found. Uh, so often it's a case of I come up with an interesting character and imagine the sort of crime that they would commit given that motivation. So, no, it's it's, it's not difficult. I, I mean, I, I used to like that programme Argumental where you had to argue from a perspective that wasn't yours um, because I think you have to understand other people's arguments before you can debunk them. So, no, it's it's just like being an actor. You just put on a, a different pair of shoes and, you know, draw your eyeliner on differently, and the next minute there you are being Ming the Merciless. So, no, I can do that. I just hope it doesn't stain my soul. You talk about your central character, um, Detective Sergeant McAvoy. How do you pronounce his first name? It's Echter, with a, with a slight cough in the middle. <laughs> You're best off doing it the way that Pharaoh does, which is to just call him Hector. Okay. He's fine with that. I, I just, I mean, I made the name up. There's only, there's only a couple of people that I didn't even, you know, when I first Googled it, I couldn't find an actor anywhere. I just wanted it to be something that had a, a vaguely Scottish ring to it and that immediately set him off on the wrong foot. So even if he, you know, he left you a, left you a voicemail or sent you an email, when you rang him back, you'd always be, how do you say it? What is it? And I just like that air of outsider that is with him wherever he goes. It just gives you that little bit of remove to, so he can look at things through a slightly more impartial set of eyes. And you're coming to Oxford, to the Literary Festival. I am, which makes me laugh. I mean, I'm delighted. Uh, but I tell you what, my younger brother uh, has spent his whole life in academia, whereas I've spent most of my life in detention. You know, I was uh, we were very, very different. And he's all elbow patches and battered old uh, um, briefcases, and he would give his right leg to be at the, to be at an Oxford festival. So the idea that that me sitting here in in my hoodie and jeans is going to be able to talk to people who actually know about books 
it's, it's a tremendous honour and um, quite surreal. David Mark will be speaking with Sophie Hanna and Sarah Hillary, all three of them crime writers, at Oxford Literary Festival. They are in the Oxford Martin School um, in the Library Theatre. And that's happening on Wednesday, the 6th of April, 12 o'clock, and it's £12. Do you think you could think like a criminal, Jen? I think I might be able to. (laughs) (laughs) Not too much of a stretch. I, I like to think it would be a stretch, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'd push myself. Nice. Probably depends on the level of the crime. Partly. You'd hope. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> Who, which of us hasn't plotted some sort of terrible takeover of the world? Or... Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oxford Literary Festival is in its 20th year. This year they've moved to Worcester College. Lovely time of year for it, with beautiful mm. grounds, lake and everything. I think they've, they've roamed around a fair bit uh, recently. <laughs> This year they've got over 500 speakers. Um, there are going to be strands, because it's the 100th anniversary of the Easter Rising, so it's going to be a strand about Anglo-Irish relations. And there's also one on Italian history, um, so lots of speakers to do with that as well. And that runs for 10 days, so it's a Sunday to Sunday. Loads of things going on, mm. something for everyone. We'll be sending along some reviewers to some of the events and talks as well, so look out for those uh, popping up on dailyinfo.co.uk throughout the festival. Onto a new art exhibition. Gina Johns, who is the local arts manager and creator for the Jam Factory, is displaying a new exhibition of collages at the old fire station. Now, Gina was born in Japan, but she grew up mainly in Oxfordshire, and she uses her work to piece together her two cultural backgrounds. And some of them sort of emphasise her being torn between two worlds, contrasting the past and the present. Her artwork is quite different, and she uses images from locations to create digital collages which are then transformed into 3D hand-cut paper collages and wooden transfers. So they're they're pretty amazing to look at like when you first look at them they look totally normal and it looks just like a street or a part of Oxford that's really familiar and then you look down and it's like looking at a miniature village including miniature people. Mm. (laughs) Quite disturbing in some ways almost that a familiar world is transformed into something very different. Yeah, it really plays with perspective and your sort of understanding of certain places in Oxford and in Japan. So it's really interesting. So that's uh, an exhibition of collages by Gina Johns at the Old Fire Station from today until the 29th of May, and it's free. I've got a triple knowledge threat now. Uh, Three lectures, but they're all on on Thursday night, so you're going to have to choose between them. First up, can science save football? This is uh, following the wake of recent corruption charges, the discussion about huge wages for players. Mm. So is it time to determine scientifically who hosts the next World Cup? Mm. Um, This is a discussion between Marcus de Sotoy, Jim Alkalili, statistician David Spiegelhalter, and uh, they will be refereed apparently by Quentin Cooper, (laughs) and they promise oranges at (laughs) half-time. This is also at the Old Fire Station. That's Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and that's £10. What factors or parameters are they going to be looking at for statistically determining who should be the World Cup host? They don't say. I think you're going to have to go along. Okay. (laughs) Intriguing. But mm. apparently they're also going to look at the uh, offside rule and whether you can whether you can ah. uh, referee that more scientifically. I wonder if they'll talk ah. about goal line technology as well, which is kind of becoming much bigger in all different competitions in football now as well. Mm. I love the cricket version of that. Where you... Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Mm. See, the bells get knocked off. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming right at you. 
Okay, so the next lecture is about Doctor Who. Doctor Who and the Export of British Illusion. Um, this is a lecture put on by the Oxford Communist Corresponding Society. And they're not a political party, but they aim to show how socialist democracy and Marxism might be relevant to people today. There are only two local groups for the Communist Corresponding Society, Oxford and Birmingham. So I think we're, oh. we're very lucky to, <laughs> to have them here. Um, and their talk is in the Oxford Town Hall. Uh, and that starts at 7.30 and that's free. If those don't uh, take a little fancy, then there's Our True Feelings at Modern Art Oxford. Um, that's also Thursday night, 7 o'clock, and this is also free. This is part lecture, part performance. So Dr Guido Orgs will be presenting findings from cognitive psychological research. So he's looking at how humans react and can be duped by their own emotions. Mm. Meanwhile, there's also... Um, some performance artists, Dog Kennel Hill Project, who will be sort of aiming to undermine the lecture, I think, possibly by ah. manipulating your reactions as you watch it. So that sounds rather fun. And, yeah, just looking at how feelings can be really unreliable. So that's Modern Art Oxford. That's part of the Kaleidoscope exhibition, um, 7 o'clock and free. I think I'd go to any of those. Mm. Or all of them, if we yeah. could split oneself <laughs> three ways. <laughs> Uh, right, so it's been understood for a few years now that endangered ugly animals uh, don't get nearly as much press as endangered cute animals. So a few years ago now, the rather uh, famous blobfish was named ugliest animal in the world in an effort to draw more attention to the plight of aesthetically challenged animals. Um, <laughs> but this week, the Ugly Animal Roadshow will be visiting Cokethorpe School. So Simon Watt from the Ugly Animal Preservation Society will be pitching for support for things like the naked mole rat. I don't know if the <laughs> naked mole rat is going to be making a, a physical appearance there, like whether you'll kind be able to pet hope one. He's going to be I hope handed so. around the audience for petting. That's a bit mean to the whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be on on Friday, eleven a.m. and two o'clock. Now I was uh, looking up about sort of the funding differences between ugly and cute animals, and the ecologist Ernie Small identified a few traits that an, an animal has to have if they want to, like basically bring in the big bucks for ecological preservation. So he said that if they're useful, then they're going to get some money. So if they if they provide human food, clothing or medicine, so that's why we care about bluefin tuna, things like that, because it's delicious. Um, if they have human-like traits, such as uh, having a high forehead, expressive eyes, uh, being a mammal or at least a vertebrate, he said that's going to get you some points as well. If they're large and fierce, because apparently for some reason we like large and fierce and scary <laughs> animals with big teeth and big horns. That shows how far we've come from evolution, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have to live above ground and preferably in a family setting. So a mum cuddling her oh. young is definitely going to help. They can't smell bad. Uh, or have any unhealthy, uh, any traits that would be unhealthy in humans. Uh, so warts, bow legs, wrinkles, apart from elephants, they're allowed wrinkles, uh, irregular teeth or a habit of drooling. Um, <laughs> it helps to be warm-blooded, bright-coloured, but not be covered in scales or slimy skin. And the most bankable endangered species are known as charismatic megafauna. Uh, so things like <laughs> elephants, tigers, polar bears, pandas, orcas, grey wolves, uh, things that yeah look cuddly and you see those on the posters all the time. But yeah, there are lots and lots of endangered animals out there that are more difficult to like, maybe, or give money and support I was just of. thinking there are quite a few humans who shouldn't make that list <laughs> <laughs> quite right there'll be lots of audience participation at the event and some videos tickets cost £7 as I said it's on at 11 and 2 on Friday at Cokethorpe School near Whitney that event links nicely onto my event I've got a bit of a shocking statistic for you 
Mm. Um, some scientists think that wild fish could be a thing of the past by 2048. Whoa. That's not long. That is not long. That's really quite scary. A theatre company tucked in are looking to spread the word about how we can prevent this from happening with a children's theatre piece, Leaper, A Fish Tale. I spoke to Hal Chambers, the director of the piece, and asked him what the play is about. It's kind of inspired by Steve. So it's set in a salmon nursery. So at the start of the story, there's a man who works with his assistant in a, in a salmon nursery. So they feed the fish and they make sure that their tanks are got the right water in them and they, uh, they check the temperature of that water, which is very important. And this man who runs the nursery has a daughter in our version who doesn't really like salmon, these juvenile little, you know, growing fish and thinks they're a bit stupid and slimy and horrible. And she doesn't really understand and she doesn't really care. On this particular day, one of the salmon, the juvenile salmon, is ready to go down to the stream. So they put them in a little travelling unit and they take them down to this local stream in Scotland and they let the fish go off on its journey. And the girl who's been watching all of this, munching on some crisps, <laughs> is incredibly, like, you know, bemused at why her dad likes fish so much. And then just as they're leaving, she drops her crisp back in the stream. As she's bending in to try and get it out of the stream, she falls in and ends up turning into a puppet form. So we go from an actress to a puppet. And then she meets this little salmon puppet down in the stream and ends up going on the journey with Leaper, who, who's this who's this salmon fish. So they go on this journey together, which is basically the roughly real story of what happens to a salmon. So they come across lots of natural predators on their way down the river towards the ocean. So without too many spoilers, they meet various puppets. And this, I mean, there's only about 40 puppets in this show. So wow. there's various characters. Yeah, it's, it's like some very small puppets, but like there's lots of, uh, there's about 20 or so major big puppets. And they meet a seal and they meet a duck and they meet a bear and and, and they're all trying to make a leaper their lunch, you know. Um, and then they get out into the ocean. Now out in the ocean, they eventually find a really uh, amazing feeding ground where leaper uh, manages to eat some eels and and some uh, and some krill, and of course the girl has to uh, taste the local cuisine. <laughs> but then the journey, just like you know any kind of fantasy story, where it's all nice at first, things start to take a sinister turn. So they come across things such as you know the larger and larger fishing boats, and they have to dodge the nets, and they and they end up getting in, get cornered by a plastic monster, who is this culmination of all the plastic that converges together mm. and um, and they have to really try hard to to find their way home really. You can listen to the full interview to hear about what inspired the piece and why raising awareness is so important by listening to the Oxcast Extra. If you want to see Leaper it's on at the Cornerstone Arts Centre on Sunday at 2pm. Tickets are £9.50 or £7.50 for concessions. Now Oxford United played Barnsley in the final of the Johnston Paint Trophy at Wembley this weekend. Uh, there are still some tickets for Sunday available uh, from the box office at the Kassam Stadium and the match will also be broadcast live on Sky Sports 3 for those who can't get along to London. A few of us from the office <laughs> are going and are pretty excited about it. Adult tickets start at £28. There are child and concession prices as well. Um, and I think Oxford are pretty much selling out their allocation of 40,000 tickets. Wow. Just amazing. <laughs> I think Oxford's going to be empty on Sunday. 40,000 tickets in the initial allocation were given to Oxford and only 25,000 to Barnsley, so <laughs> one nil up already. Um, yeah, hoping for a win and bringing home a bit of silverware. I took a sample. <laughs>
Starting on Tuesday in Chipping Norton Theatre is a new production of Stones in His Pockets. Um, this is a play about a Hollywood film crew coming to a quiet village in County Kerry to try and find real Ireland for the <laughs> background for their film uh, and the, the culture clash which follows. It's essentially comic, but it does also have a, a tragic element to it, so um, I think it's going to be a well-rounded drama. It's a whole host of characters, but only played by two actors. But it's not one of those plays like Shakespeare done by two actors. This was actually designed that way. I think I might have seen this um, quite a while ago in London, and they had this sort of big crate of props that they'd pull out to help with all the different characters. It's very good. I think it's quite specified, sort of, there were shoes that represent lots of different characters yeah. and things. So the uh, famous set design um, has been in London and on Broadway and all over the place. So that's on Chipping Norton Theatre from Tuesday until Saturday the 16th of April so it's doing a two week run evening performances are 7.45pm and there's also a matinee on Saturday the 9th of April at 2.30 the performance on the 15th of April has sign language Mm -hmm. and there's also a workshop so on Saturday the 9th of April 10 till 2 there's a workshop with the director and the ticket for that also gets you into the matinee performance and that's looking at uh, switching between characters using your body and your voice and I think some really good theatre techniques you'd learn there and that's for adults and 16 plus oh, so amazing. quite nicely unusual yeah. <laughs> adult theatre workshop I like that the uh, evening performance has started at 7.45 so you can get out there from Oxford yes very smart mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice theatre as well I've never been a real old one uh, that's running from Tuesday to Saturday the 16th uh, tickets are £15 or £13 concessions On to our second interview from a speaker at the Oxford Literary Festival. Robert Bullard is the chairman of Writers in Oxford, which is a social group for authors based in Oxford. They've got a special talk, which is featuring local authors Lorna Ferguson and Marcus Vera. I asked Robert what they've got planned. So it's partly an opportunity for us to answer the sort of things that you've been asking me today. So for anyone who would like to join a a group of writers for social support, for help with the publishing process, for ideas, for software and things like that, a sort of social support group and to be a, a fellow writer in Oxford. We hold about 40 events a year. Some of them are social engagement, social uh, meet gatherings. Some of them are, are talks where we get a, a local author, another author or a, a scriptwriter or something like that along and we have a good chat about their work. Or sometimes we just do a, a visit to a local uh, property, National Trust property or a walk or something like that. So they're all kind of social gatherings, things like that. So partly we'll be telling anyone who's interested about what we do and hopefully encouraging people to, to join us or maybe answering the sort of questions that you've been asking me about, you know, tips to become a writer or how did you get involved, where did you start or, you know, what's the advantage of being in Oxford and things like that. Mm. Um, and two or three of our members will be reading from their work so that we kind of give a bit of a balance to the one hour that we've got. So I think we've got a non-fiction writer, a fiction writer and hopefully a poet as well, giving them a flavour of, of their work. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Listen to the full interview to hear more about the origins of the group, Robert's recommendations for curing writer's block, and why he thinks Oxford is such a great place to be a writer. So that's Writers in Oxford at uh, Worcester College on Wednesday the 6th of April at 12pm, and that's free. So that clashes with David Mark, Sophie Hannah and Sarah Hillary. Yeah. (laughs) I'm rooting for the crime writers. (laughs) 
I'm going for the free event. <laughs> uh, now, my cinematic pick for the week is Victoria. Uh, this is a new European thriller about a woman who meets a couple of guys on a night out and then gets embroiled in this series of escalating events involving gangsters and then a bank heist. But the film is shot entirely in one take. So now, a lot was made of Birdman a couple of years ago about how it appeared to be made entirely in one shot with some uh, clever cinematography and some CGI trickery. This film is actually one take. Like, really just one shot. They t- did it three times and they took the second one. Uh, so it's over two hours long as well. Um, it won Best Cinematography at last year's Berlin Film Festival. And reviewer Colin Covert described the film as sort of a merge between the chases from Run, Lola, Run, or Lola Rent, depending on how you know it, and the magical realism of Birdman, which has already kind of mm. sold me on the film. Darren Aronofsky, the director of Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan, said, Victoria rocked my world. So again, huge praise. Uh, It just looks really interesting and exciting, and it opens at the Phoenix on Friday. Where is it set? So it was all filmed in Mitte in uh, Berlin. Cool. Is it in German? It's in German and English and Spanish, I think, with subtitles when it's not in English. Cool. Amazing. Mm. Is this a way to cut production costs in films then? (laughs) Because was that just a six-hour... Film, yeah, I guess yeah. they could have done it in a day. There was that film last year, Tangerine, which was set in LA, which was shot entirely on iPhone fives as well. So people are starting to be able to make incredibly high quality movies without having to spend a huge amount of money, and it's really exciting. Anyone can be a filmmaker. I think the Communist Corresponding Society would approve wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> for full cinema listings um, and for times for Victoria, go to dailyinfo.co.uk. Don't forget to follow us and like us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Daily Info Oxford. And you can hear full versions of all the interviews that we've had snippets of today online uh, on Podcast Extra via dailyinfo.co.uk. Make sure to tune in next week to hear uh, my interview with Catherine Fletcher, who is a historian who specialises in Renaissance Italy. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any other podcast provider to make sure you get it straight to your device every Wednesday.